Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. That all I have to do is ask You told me to trust in you So I made it my daily task To go to you and all I say and do To follow your will Cause you see me through since 2001, uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. I have two daughters, uh, the ages of 11 and 9. Um, just, I, I guess you could call me a ex-felon, uh, ex-three-time felon, uh, small business owner, and just trying to walk as close as the word of the Lord as I can nowadays. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you two here today. Um, we are just excited about what the listeners will hear from both of you, first of all, and, and what we can do together. 
and just kind of in light of taking kingdom authority when it comes to, you know, things of this nature. So before we get started, we're just going to pray first. And I just want to go ahead and make sure that we just bless this time. Father, we thank you. We love you, O oh God, and we bless your holy and righteous name. We're excited, Lord, that we um, are being charged today to take authority, kingdom authority. This is not, this is not individual. This is not about um, physical authority, but spiritual authority in the kingdom of God according to your word. And as we dive into this, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would just bless every word in the name of Jesus, that we will be open and honest but yet fruitful, God, according to your word. And we pray, Lord, that these experiences that we share today, that someone will be blessed by it, Father. We thank you for our two guests on today that are doing, um, doing wonderful things in, your, in, in the kingdom of God. And so, God, we will just bless you as we go into this time, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and get started um, this morning. Um, I just want to, this, this afternoon rather, an evening, I just want to make sure that any listeners on the line, we will open it up today for you to come on. We want to pray with you. We want to hear from you. We want, remember, this is taking authority in the kingdom realm. So we want to hear your thoughts of us coming together and taking authority in Jesus' name. All right, so let's, let's kind of start off on with some things, some some information to help others understand what's going on. A lot of people don't know what's going on in the world. And I want to share some stats with you about Black America. We're focused today on Black America. So right now, um, as of 2013, actually, of the census in February 2015, census was completed, there were 45 million Blacks either alone as a black or in combination with another nationality or race as of July 1st, 2013 in America. That's up by 1% since July 2012. There's 74.5 million projected by 2016. That's a lot of African-Americans in the United States of America. Alone in New York, for those of you who are listening from New York, the black population is 3.7 million just in New York, the state of New York, and that's as of July 1st, 2013. Texas had the largest numeric increase since 2012 by 78,000. Listen to this. The District of Columbia, our nation's capital, had the highest percentage of blacks, 51%. 51% African Americans really dominate in that area followed by Mississippi, which is 38.1%. So we have our nation's capital and in the South. The county that has the most as of 2013, 1.3 million in Cook County, Illinois, that's Chicago, by the way, for all those who are listening from Chicago, have the largest black population of any county in 2013, 1.3 million with Houston following in Harris County and have the largest numeric increase in 2012. There are a lot of Americans um, in the United States. I want to talk about a little bit about, you know, um, other statistics regarding percentage of blacks age 25 and over with a high school diploma or higher. That's 83.7%. 83.7 have a high school diploma or higher. That really should be 100, but... 83.7, for whatever reason, did not, um, there's, there's a several that did not get their high school diploma. Listen to this shocking news. Only 19.3% of blacks 25 and over had a bachelor's degree or higher in 2013. So they're graduating from high school, but not going on to a higher degree. They may have started, but didn't complete it. 1.7 million blacks 25 and older and over, that is, had an advanced degree in 2013. That means graduate school, I'm getting their master's or doctorate. 1.7 million. Now, I want you to keep in mind, as of that time, there were 45 million blacks in the United States and only 1.7 million furthered their education. Listen to this as we continue on. 
I want to talk to you about not just the education, but the poverty level. The poverty level is, 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 is amazing. The national medium income, median income is 51939 51939 is the median income. That's the average of what people make in the United States of America. But for blacks as of 2013, or African Americans, if you will, 34598 is the median income. I will tell you there is a big disconnect, a gap there. So I want to go into the poverty rate. 27.2% is the poverty rate as of the 2015 census for 2013. That the poverty rate is 27.2%, while the national um, poverty rate is only 14.5%. Listen, 4.1% is the percentage of blacks that were covered by health insurance during all or part of 2013. Nationally, it's 80.6%, and we know there's some things that happen and with different laws. Um, most people say it's called Obamacare, but it's Affordable Care Act. That helps for people to get their, um, their, their, their health insurance. So it, it increased to 84.1% as of 2013. Here are the household statistics. I'm throwing a lot of numbers, but I want you to get the gist of the state of black America or African Americans in the United States of America. Forty-five point seven percent is the number among families with black householders. That's the percentage that were married couples in 2013. Forty now I know it's not fifty percent or higher, but that's a, a huge chunk of, of people who are married in the black community. So we can't say everyone's divorced. We can't say everyone, um, the marriages don't work in the black community because it's very, it's very synonymous with, with our white counterparts when you look at statistics. Hear this, though. 1.3 million um, is the number of black grandparents who live with their own grandchildren younger than the age of 18 in 2013. And 45.2% .2 were also responsible for their care. We have grandparents, what we call in South Africa, go-go's, taking care of their children's children because the parents aren't around, according to the statistics. There's some more, but we'll share that later. But in light of that, we want to kind of talk about the state of of, of black America and, and what we need to do as a community and taking kingdom authority. And there's some principles that we have to, we have to implement in our lives. So I want to start off about some things. We want to ask some questions of our guests today. Thank you so much for your patience, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Davis. We want to start off asking some questions of you today. Yes, and um, in, in light of the this past week, events on the census killings of Mr. Alton uh, Sterling and, and Fernando Castro. We all know the mixture of feelings throughout the United States and the, and the world. Tell me your first reactions and thoughts about these events. Mr. Cooper. Well, my first reaction was straight anger, uh, not understanding what's going on but why they cannot take them in uh, forcefully, you know, without hurting them. Uh, everything seems to be a kill shot uh, with our people. And as I watch them uh, handle other ethnic groups, uh, they take their time, talk to them, and take them out to get a burger, you know. Uh, so it kind of hurts. And at my age, you know, I, I've seen some racist stuff as I was growing up. And so it's kind of tough to watch it. We, we certainly understand. Um, Mr. Davis, same question? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Tell me your first reaction. 
I think uh, my first reaction, I'd have to agree with Brother Cooper on that one. It was mostly anger, and I had to come to think about that, and it was anger for a different reason. It's It wasn't the anger that it happened. It was the anger that people are just barely now saying something and standing up about it. Like, I'm only 32, but just in my short time of being on this planet that God's given me, I've seen this happen numerous times before it became a cause for people to stand up and say something against. So for people to barely just get these reactions off of simple matters that probably if handled or worded differently at the time might have had an easier outcome when before there were actual situations when people had reason to stand up and say something and they overlooked it or they let it die down. Um, uh, uh, now, both of you are fathers. Both of you are, are, are fathers. Um, kind of tell me what this means to you as a father. Let's start with Mr. Cooper. Well, as a father of three boys, um, I see that life is going to be hard for them. I mean, life is hard for me. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in a in a panic attack when a cop is behind me, even though I know I didn't do anything wrong. But what right. if they having a bad day? And and I'm not for one to be uh, disrespected myself, so I know I have a slim temper. So uh, I worry about my boys and the way, you know, children will be children, and sometimes they, they just don't understand that this person is supposed to be there to protect them. But then when they give them some orders or anything like that, they contradict themselves when they say, put your hands up, or then go ahead and reach for something, and they think they're reaching for a weapon or something. So I fear for my boys because the schools treat them different in, in school. They, they, inside the school system, they treat my boys as if they have ADA, you know, they have too much energy. They don't want to take the time with these kids. And uh, they always have a disciplinary problem, you know. And I'm looking at the other kids jumping up and down, screaming and yelling at an adult, talking to him crazy. And I said, in my culture, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, so I'm a little upset. I'm afraid for my boys. Uh, and some thoughts, you know, all of us baby boomers, we have to die out for this thing to change a little bit. Right. Because after us, after us baby boomers, you know that it was taught. You didn't grow up in it. You didn't grow up in the system itself. Right. Now you got all the juniors and esquires, you know. And as a father myself of, of, of three boys, and, and I, I, I totally understand, and I felt anger, and I really, my, my first uh, instance was to talk to my youngest son and let him know to have little to no uh, confrontation. You can have communication, but little to no confrontations with um, any law, uh, any police officer, just in case they get the wrong idea. Um, it's really we have to teach um, our young, uh, young men, young women, um, not to have any confrontation. And that was my conversation with my my boys. Specific, you know, if you, if you do not have to have any confrontation, that's good. But if you, if you must get your point across, allow us, the parents, to get that point across for you, not you take things into your own hands. Right. But, Reverend Leon, this, yeah. last incident, this last incident did not have any confrontation. He was just sitting in the car. We saw it. Exactly. There was no confrontation. So what am You're I right. supposed to do when I get pulled over? You know? You know. What am I supposed to do? What are my kids supposed to do when they tell you, Mother, may I, may I move, and you still get shot? Right. That's, that's you know, crazy. The, the one thing um, I was uh, talking to my wife about is, like, I'm not going to, even if you tell me to move, I'm not moving. You know, you have to put your weapon uh, away you have to have your hands free so I can feel comfortable about moving myself. But now you're and resisting I, I, arrest. Yeah. 
it's one of those things you can't you can't win for losing. But we have we still have to take a proactive choice. I mean, uh, a stance of um, I know you're telling me to obviously you're telling me to move um, until I feel comfortable and safe. I prefer you to holster your weapon so I can feel safe. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about just a couple of things because we want to gear this towards um, we can't we can't change the mindset of others um, as as kingdom people we have to pray there's some principles you know practical things we have to do but there are some kingdom principles we have to have in place knowing that um, the weapons are of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God the pulling down of strongholds. And so that may, that may look a little different compared to what our natural minds say, but God looks at things a different way. And so just as Jesus going to the cross, that looked bad for all of us, but he had to shed the blood in order for the remission of sins. And so what the challenge is today, and we're going to get to that a little bit, the challenge is today is to, to discuss these things, kind of detox, and then get to what does God say that we are to do? Through the anger, through the hurt, through the um, sometimes even hatred some people have right now in regards to this. How do we get to the point where we get to what God says? And so I, I kind of want to shift a little bit and go to that. Um, but I, wanna, I, want, I want people to hear encounters that the two of you have maybe had um, in situations with the law enforcement. So, Brother Brother um, Eli, if you can just kind of elaborate on anything and encounters you've had. Oh, man. Um, well, I, as I said in my introduction to myself, um, I am a three-time felon. I have been down in prison three different times. Um, as a father, this whole ordeal started off as a personal concern, a concern that maybe one day I'll get stopped and never see my kids again. But then it wasn't just young black males dying off anymore. It, it was young black women and not just uh, the so-called quote-unquote stereotypical black women. It was educated, smart, intelligent, independent, strong black women that weren't necessarily in the wrong, but strong enough to take a stand. And it actually made me start worrying about the safety of my own daughters. Um, my encounters with law enforcement, hmm. I learned in my own experiences, it's the individual that they're approaching and the individual that's being approached. Um, you have officers that can have a bad day and take it off on the next suspect that they have to question or arrest or apprehend or what have you. But then you also have officers that have those same bad days and can do that professionally and by the book without anyone getting hurt or without anyone being harmed or detained violently. Now, from my understanding, every officer is put through training on how to apprehend a suspect without using deadly force. Yet, these men that I've come in contact with, the, the worst I've seen them get is verbally, and that was based on my response to them. So, starting off with the idea that all cops hate black men and they're just going to stereotype me and stop me for no reason. No, it became more of my attitude in their approach. Oh, they're just stopping me for nothing. All right, if I just do what they say, they'll go away because I got no reason to worry about it. On the other hand, if you have a reason to worry about it, of course you're going to fight it. But if, if there's one level head in a conflict, I do not see it ever escalating to that point. So it then becomes a, are we handling our idea or our viewpoint of officers correctly? Or are we taking their experience and their actions towards somebody else personal enough to assume that that's exactly how they're going to approach us, even if we're not in the wrong? For me personally, I just have, I have that outlook that not all cops are bad and not all cops are going to act inappropriately or cross a line that no one can return from if you just 
like Leon was saying, just let it go, man. There's 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 proper ways to handle officers like that, and it took me a very long time and a lot of pointless times sitting in intake in prison in jail for me to finally realize, you know what, instead of flashing or going off on these people, just let them be stupid. Let them make their own mistakes and do it properly to show they made a mistake and you got nothing to worry about. Like it, 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 If you educate yourself on how to handle these type of situations, you really don't have to worry about these type of situations becoming an issue. But it's, it's a lack of, of knowledge and understanding of what's going on around you and how you look at it based on your own personal feelings as opposed to what everyone else tells you you're supposed to feel about it. Let's kind of talk about that a little bit. You mentioned a few things that I want to I want to make sure to touch on, and I'm, I'm going to throw some statistics out there, and you know, you all can take it as you will, but there there is information that is public, and so I want to I want to talk about some things um, according to the BlackDemographics.com, and this is regarding black men and all men in general. And you can make your own, you know, your own solutions. Ages 16 to 64, the percent who are in the labor force, according to the blackdemographics.com, 67% black men, compared to all men, which is 80%. So less of our black men are in the labor force. Unemployment, 11.2% among black men, 7.3 for all men. Below the poverty level, 26%, compared to all men at 15% that work full-time year-round, 37% for black men, 48% for all men. Earnings not from full-time work, whatever that means, it's the same for black men and and all men in general, 23%. White-collar, occupation types, white-collar, 42% black men in white-collar jobs compared to 75% for all men in general. Blue-collar jobs, 36% for black men, 17% for all men. And then you have service occupations, you know, um, normally working in bad food, normally working in restaurants, 23% for black men and 8% for all men. Here's the even more shocking news. Ages 18 to 64, this is just as of 2013, those who are in jail or prison, 6% 6% for black men, 2% of all men that are in jail or prison. But the rate for black men, ex-offenders, the percent approximately, 34% of black men are ex-offenders compared to 12% for all men. Now, you can make your own conclusions by this. Those who are veterans, this is crazy to me, the percent of who are veterans of black men are 14%. Whereas for all men, it's 15%. So not such a big variance there. But here's the other part. Of those who are disabled of black men, 16%. 11% of all men. Disabled. And I don't have the statistics with me now, but it was shocking to see some of the some of the stats for those who are veterans who are disabled, veterans of the United States of America, serving their country, serving their country and are now disabled or imprisoned. You make your own statistics. I want you to, I want you to know that these are, shouldn't be too shocking, but it's, 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 it's sad. So let me, let me, I went to some sources and I wanted to read this so you all can hear this. Um, the Full Gospel Baptist Church presiding bishop, Bishop Joseph Walker, stated this. While our prayers are certain with all of those who've experienced those, these losses, we are convinced that prayer alone is, in essence, the reliance of faith while dismissing a key factor that proves the um, efficacy of our faith, actions that align with our unfailing faith, belief. The Bible says that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, 
And this is according to James, the first chapter, 27th verse in the New King James Version. Because of the senseless acts of this nature, we're talking about the most recent killing, many of our sons and daughters have left widows, widowers, parents, and children of their own to fend for themselves and perpetually mourn their lives, abruptly shortened by tragic violence. One of the most, one of the most effective ways to care for this um, contemporary, untimely, and sadly growing sect of widows and orphans is to work to institute change that ensures an end to cases such as these, which end in avoidable and horrific death, leaving a grieving local and cultural community while a seemingly silent or at best a hushed larger population carries on with their daily affairs unaffected. This is a charge to take authority, people. Full gospel is mobilizing its members to vote to change federal law on the use of deadly force by law enforcement officials. The unabridged license to kill African-American men, women, and children must end. We, through our newly instituted initiative, will mobilize our community to vote on this and other issues of social and moral change. Then he goes into social change according to Daniel, the second chapter and 21st verse. And that's from full gospel. I will tell you, in light of some of the statistics I've read and you've heard, um, if we are to vote for change of these laws, how can we do it when we have such a high percentage of ex-offenders who no longer have their right to vote? I will challenge you on that, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Davis. Either one, please. Go ahead, Eli. Mr. Davis, right. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I mean, sadly enough, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. It kind of just shows, even being in vast number, we are <laughs> vastly outnumbered. Um, it's sad. It, it, it's it's heartening and. I don't know if those numbers are because we're not putting in enough effort or like we see now coming out of the dark, the doors have been getting slammed on us from the beginning. Like I, I reach a moment of confusion on how to feel about the same country that stands up once a year and says it embraces every individual that can calls themselves a citizen, but the other 364 days were nothing. Um, and I know it's not because I know it can't be because we're not trying because there's too many of us that, and when I say us, I mean young African-American males that actually want a future, actually want to be successful in life, but are told there's only limited options of making that possible. And the options we're giving only lead to outcomes of unemployment, incarceration, or the latter, death. Right. Well, let me ask this. Is this true, according to President Jerry Young of the National Baptist Convention, USA Incorporated, where he states, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Mr. Cooper, how true is that statement? That is very true. And uh, I'm just going to kind of keep it 100 here, and I'm going to say it's on both sides of of this. Um, First of all, from our point of view, we, we lack unity. We, we don't have a head. We're, the, the black culture is like a child without a father, and we're seeking in the darkness, and we're, we're just running around roaming. And I think we've been let down by the NAACP. Uh, we've been let down by some of our leaders that we're just not getting, getting into action like we're supposed to. We're not getting united like we're supposed to. And then on the other hand, on the other side, all the people that says all lives matter, 
we don't see them standing up. We see more of the bad people standing up. So we need more of those other people who voted for Barack Obama to stand up and fight this battle for equal rights all the way around because they're the ones that's in control right now. They're in power to make things happen. And just like the blue line, nobody wants to say anything because they're trying to hold on to their job. And uh, I don't know if you can feel my anger with this. This is uh, both sides are not coming together. Everybody's tr- it seems like it's about money, uh, positioning, jobs, job titles, what I've done. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Okay, well, let me ask you this, uh, Brother uh, Cooper, or Brother Davis. What does, you know, as far as being a Christian, two Christian brothers, um, what does taking kingdom authority mean to you when it comes to this state of America? Brother Cooper. As a Christian, a person of faith, uh, oh, my goodness. Sometimes, well, I can just say in the last few days, I know that everything happens for a reason. And does my faith uh, falter a little bit sometimes? And I say, Lord, just what have we done to deserve this? <laughs> um, you know, I just try to stay in prayer and pray for every everyone coming together. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of hard because you got the other side saying, where's your God now? Where's your God now? And I'm trying to stay in faith as a, as a baby Christian saying he's right here with me. And I know he's with me. Uh, mm. But it seems like the negative is shouting louder than the good right now. So it's okay. harder to, to to stay behind it, you know. All right. Brother, brother, brother uh, Davis, what is, what is your uh, – what is the – what does it mean to you, Kingdom Authority? Honestly, going uh, through my head right now, all I can simply say is just spending every moment of my life just hoping and praying that I have God's blessing to make it through another day, do whatever I can for Him, and know that it's His. It, it, it's by his grace, his mercy, and his power that I even am blessed to see another day so that that's where my true focus and resource through the day should come from. Um, I battle with that quite often, but I would like to believe I'm at a point to where I know it in my heart enough to where even in those hard moments, I can say the authority is not mine. It's his through his kingdom that I just so happen to be blessed to be a part of. Okay, let me let me uh, give you some some good news, my brothers. Let me give you some good news coming from Joshua uh, chapter one. Um, my uh, I heard my, my my brother-in-law speaking about this this morning. Joshua chapter one in the King James version. It said, "Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you." As I said unto Moses, this is God speaking to Joshua, every place that your foot tread upon, he said he will give it, give it to you. So as Christian believers, God has given us authority, given us authority, given us kingdom authority, to where we can go back and take back our, our, our kids, take back um uh, their rights, you know, their rights to, to, to live, their right to, to vote. We we have that authority. We have the faith and believe that God's word is true. Am I correct? Yes, you're correct. Yeah. So we, 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 we should we should go ahead and take back that authority with every place that our foot uh, touches that that territory is that is, is should be giving to God is giving that back to us. What are your thoughts? The thoughts on that is 
we read it, we want to believe it, but we don't see it in the in the flesh. We don't see the unity of even going that direction. We have so many different denominations, so many different beliefs, and we're supposed to be worshiping one God. We're not even one with all the believers that's here. <laughs> and so right. that makes it very hard for uh, new believers to say what's going on with everybody. Why are we not coming together and taking that back? Well, every, everything everything starts with uh, with with one person. Starts with you. Start with yourself. Okay, it's, it's, it you can't be too focused on everybody else. We have to start with ourselves. Okay, so every that's what it says. Every place that you're. So that your foot, not not every place that somebody else's, but everybody else's foot. He's talking about your foot. That, I understand that's the that territory. Everything everything that I do, that I try to do, I try to do in a godly man, manner, so that people see that. I mean, I don't have to go and tell nobody I'm a Christian. I don't have to wear a hat. I don't have to wear a cross on. I would hope that my actions and everything that I do in my everyday life at my personal work or business or whatever it may be is going to reflect that I'm a godly person or a spiritual person, and I'm taking, I'm taking ownership of what I'm doing in my circle. I'm taking ownership of who I touch and who I affect every day, and I believe that I do that. Uh, I mean, every blue moon I might hear something that I did do that, but I don't look for that to come back. I just do something I do the things that I do in a godly manner, or what would Jesus do? I try to do that to my best ability. And I think Brother Davis can back me up on that one. That is correct. Um, I, I, I Personally, for me, I I guess it's, it's, it's not so much believing it, but it, it's like Brother Cooper just mentioned, it's, it's very hard to see it in the world we're surrounded in. I know, I know where to find it if I need to in Word. I know that it, that's something I had to learn on my own through experience and prayer. But it kind of weighs you down when you look around and you have so much hope for others to see it, and you see how so far off they're acting from seeing. Either they see it and just ignore it, or they just haven't wise enough to the point to where they can see it, and that even makes it more depressing. Because I think I think uh, Sister Morris mentioned earlier in, in her question of how are we supposed to act in the light of such dark and terrible times, and according to the word, if I remember this correctly, we're still supposed to act out of love and patience and mercy and grace and kindness and meekness of spirit. But it's so hard when you have the complete opposite facing you day in and day out when you're not doing anything to try to provoke it or even encourage it to continue to be there. This is so true, and Brother Cooper, Brother Davis, I thank you for your honesty, and I thank you for um, we can hear the the hurt, we can hear the um, the questions in, in in your in your in your minds, the questions in your you know your voices about what's to come. But let me just throw some scriptures out for for you and all the listeners, and. I want to, it's so important that we talk about this just a little bit and what happens in Daniel. And in Daniel, listen to this. And, and for Moses and Aaron, Aaron kept the faith 45 years after the promise was given to Moses. It looked bleak because they were wandering around for 40 years, but Aaron kept the faith. Joshua kept the faith. I'm sorry. Joshua kept the faith. And he didn't. 45 years is a long time to wait for something. I think it was 40 years, actually. I mean, it was 85 by the time 
you know, things were starting to happen on their behalf. And so Joshua kept the faith regardless of what the time has passed. And we have to have that level of faith in God. Listen, in Daniel, um, I want to read Daniel 2, the 19th through the 23rd verse. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of, of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes, talk about God, and he changes the times and the seasons. He changes the God we serve, changes the times and seasons. People of God, lest we forget, we are not here to stay. And so everything that transpires, I want us as Christians, we have to look at this differently. As, as many encounters I've had with law enforcement, um, I want you to understand they weren't always great encounters. They weren't always great encounters. But what I do know in this time and day is that we have to come to where it's, it's going to be the end of this here earth that we are calling earth, how we see it. And so if we don't keep the faith, regardless of what's going on, if we as Christians, babes and mature, if we don't grow to acknowledge and believe God, who will believe him through hard times? Because they are going to get harder. Listen to Daniel 21, chapter 2, verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You can't get understanding unless you seek the wisdom of God. If we seek our own understanding, we will fail every time. Listen to this. Daniel and, 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 and was 15 going to Babylon's system. He was 85 when he received the revelation that they would be freed from Babylon, from the Babylonian system. He maintained an excellent spirit. He prayed. He remained faithful to God. And God, in turn, protected, shielded, and sustained him. Listen. Daniel says, also in chapter 2, he revealed deep and secret things. But we have to trust him. We have to depend on him. We have to know that he is going to come through. I'm not saying just pray because faith without works is dead. Well, what I am saying is this. There are spiritual things that we, there's things in the spirit realm that we can do that we can never do in the natural and have a bigger impact in the spiritual realm. What God does for us is supernatural. He superimposes what looks like a bad thing and makes it a great thing. Here, listen to this. For those who believe that, that, that um, it's not a good thing to love your neighbor and to die for your neighbor, Deuteronomy 10, 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. Lord, I promise you I'm going to depend on you regardless of how it looks. Let me tell you, people of God who are listening, this is hard. There are going to be even harder times. We're going to see it in families that are really close to us and maybe even ourselves. But will we hold on to the faith? Will we take authority in the kingdom to say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper? It may look like it prosper in the natural and the physical, but in the spirit realm, we know where we go should we die. Listen to me, people of God. Let, let, let me just read one more thing for you. Ephesians 2, those who are listening, turn with me, please, as we get ready to close. Ephesians 2, 14 through, 20, 14 through 18. Just as Daniel stood steadfast, and this was a man of God, a, a, a young man of God, he stood steadfast, so can we. 
God is showing us through Jesus Christ that we have the same power they had back in the days where they believed God, whether it was 40, 100, or 120 years. We have to believe God. It's a requirement, and he's forcing us to mature in his word and do what we say we're doing. So not let our mouths just be talking, but actually do that. And that's what this, this, this radio broadcast is about, kingdom authority. Stop the talking and start doing. You can't just sit back and allow it to come. And I think that's, what the, that's what's happened in black America. And we just allow, and we don't do what God says to do, which is to pray and to seek his faith and to turn from our wicked ways. Hear me, people? He says, then, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, then I will hear from heaven and forgive your sins first, and then I will heal the land. The sins have to be forgiven first because we've had so many. The people, his people, the Israelites, had so many. And I'll tell you today, we have a lot of sins. We have turned mostly to money. We've turned to the, the, the physical things, and we've turned to even sex. We've turned to so many different things in the natural that we forgot about God. Or we put him to the side. Or we think that, okay, we'll go to him last. No, he's first. Amen. Amen. Here's, here's Ephesians 2. And I'm saying this because I have to really believe this. I have to really trust him last night. Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, Christ Jesus having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances of this world, so as to create in himself one new man from the tomb, thus making peace. I, can't, I don't have enough time to break that down. I'll do that next week. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Jesus Christ came, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now to those who are in disbelief, and, and, and believe me, I had such anger this week, and the Lord had to deal with me. My husband prayed for me. My mother prayed for me. For me. Hear this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And if we're a part of the household of God, and, and God owns a count of thousand hills, and he's here for us, I'm just using that as an example, he can provide for us peace. He can provide for us, his word provides um, us to be able to sustain, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, he's still the chief cornerstone. We can still depend on him. In whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In whom, verse 22, Ephesians 2, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. If we don't rise up, thanks of God, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ and call yourself a Christian, if we don't rise up, where is the spirit of God to dwell? America, where is the spirit of God to dwell? He will not dwell in sin. And so we have to take authority by praying over our children of all, teaching them the things they need that need to be taught in our homes. Don't wait for the Sunday school teacher, the Bible study teacher, the pastors. We teach them. So I will challenge you and charge you, take authority in your life, people of God. Take authority in your life. Take authority in your home. Take authority in your own church. Take authority in your community. Speak peace of God. As much sometimes I have to set Dancia down because she gets excited and upset about things, I have to go back. Duh. That God, you dwell in me, and I am to bring peace. And sometimes that means for me practically not saying anything at all at that point and praying. And we're going to pray on tonight. We're going to pray on tonight. 
because we need, and we're going to continue this next week, because there's some challenging days ahead in America. We're not only praying for the, for the um, families of the two that were killed by police officers, but we're going to pray for the families of those police officers as well. And so we have to bring peace. And I challenge you tonight to read on God's word, Daniel, read on God's word, Ephesians 2, and see if the Holy Spirit speaks to you over the next few days. And I want you to call in and share as what God has spoken to you, what he's revealed to you. Now, listen, I want things that are positive. I want to hear the things that the spirit of God has spoken. I don't want these other spirits. I command in the name of Jesus that we will see the light of day, and it seems like it's dark, but the light of day is through Jesus Christ, I tell you. The Most High God has said to us that we can do all things through who? Jesus Christ, who strengthened us. And so the authority lies within. Yes, it's his authority, but in Genesis 1, he gave us dominion, authority, He's given us control, so to speak, if you want to say it that way. He's given us our territory, and we've got to stand in our territory. If you've been listening to the last few weeks, it's all about establishing your territory. Your territory, Mr. Oh, let me say, I'm sorry, Brother Cooper, your territory and yours is entrepreneurship and taking authority to help young black men to take the charge of self-employment business owners to help get debt free. Brother, Brother Davis, your authority, I'm challenging you today, is to help those who have been incarcerated to know that they can live without going back and they can be there for their families and that they can seek God and do the things in the church environment in the body of Christ. And so take authority. Let's not stand back in our feelings. It's hard. I've had the encounters. I've been yelled at. I've been verbally abused by law enforcement, but no weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. I've gone through what we call the system. I don't care. The system is this. We are of the kingdom of God, and we abide by his rules, come what may, even unto death. Amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> amen. Um, so, go ahead. I don't have time for callers right now, and I'm so I, I really apologize. I thank you all for listening. I want before we pray, I want to thank um, uh, Brother Cooper and Brother Davis for coming on. Those are powerful things, and I want people to hear the, their hearts and hear the struggle that our flesh and our spirit have to get through this. It's real. It is real. So, just any last words before we pray? About 15 seconds, Brother Cooper. My only words is to the, all the families that lost someone this last week. We just want to pray for the, those families. My heart goes out to each and every one of them, and, th- and that's all I have to say. Thank you. Um, Brother David? <laughs> I just have to piggyback off that and just actually you include a prayer of peace and mercy all the way around, both from both ends. It's, it's going to take a miracle. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. We are so grateful, Lord, for this time, for us living in this time. Apparently, you equipped us for this time, and you've equipped us to take kingdom authority in this particular time, this, this, this season. And so, God, we say thank you that you're entrusting us to do the right thing. I pray right now for the peace of God and those families of Mr. Sterling and Mr. Castile, Lord, their families, especially for their children, that have to grow up without their father, if there be any other children. I'm not sure for, for, for Brother Sterling, but for Orlando, God, I pray for that daughter. God, and I pray in the name of Jesus, peace to cover this land for those um, families of the officers that were killed that in, and those who were injured in the name of Jesus. Help us all deal with this according to your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on Kingdom Authority um, for Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. Please tune in each week at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are excited to have you come in and join with us. We are still going to talk about Kingdom Authority and taking our rightful place. And I charge you this evening to make sure 
to take authority going on of your own feelings even. We are excited. I thank my husband for joining us on tonight, and he will continue to join us as we co-host together, um, just sharing what God has done. It's a blessing to have you all come in tonight. I, I, I want you to join us um, on KIFM uh, each, each Sunday night, and I, I charge you, take authority. Thank you, and praise God, and uh, blessings and covering on everyone. Thank you guys for having me. Um, you have a blessed evening and a happy and safe week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.